0: This is Life Solved, the podcast that showcases how University of Portsmouth Research is changing our world. We'll be back with a brand new series from Thursday the 5th of January, but to give your brain a little something to mull over during the festive period, we're bringing you
1: this bonus episode about the power of advertising in society. The advertising industry has long been criticised for its negative effect on society, and in particular, in creating gender stereotypes in society. Right now, you might be bombarded by perfume adverts and
0: supermarkets competing for the best mince pie. But as we face up to a cost-of-living crisis and reflect upon some worrying events, what shifts are brands making in the tone of their advertising? And how does this interact with society and the decisions we make as consumers? Let's catch up with Dr. Karen Middleton, a senior lecturer in marketing in the Faculty of Business and Law here at the University of Portsmouth. Christmas is an enormously important time for advertising as retailers and stores compete for customers over their competitors. From TV ads to billboards and digital ads, it seems that whoever can catch your attention with attractive messaging or play most successfully upon your expectations, hopes and aspirations looks set to get the sale
1: most of the retailers will make 50, 60, 70% of the yearly income is taken over the Christmas period. So it's a really, really important time. And it's become something of a a kind of a media talking point as well, you know, when particularly retailers bring their Christmas advertising out. It's really very much a, a flagship time of year for advertising and for these brands There's this huge expectation on brands to create something that is not only going to be something that's very seasonal and Christmassy, but will also perhaps pick up on the zeitgeist in order to engage audiences and improve brand loyalty. Advertising comes into its own. Advertising... seeks to engage people on an emotional level. And certainly at this time of year, there's the opportunity to do that with images about family and magical Christmassy scenes that will generate warm feelings towards the brand and help customers actually to get excited about Christmas themselves. But
0: Karen points out that this year, the sorts of messages that are chiming with consumers and shoppers are a
1: little bit different. And brands are keen to reflect that too. This year, with the cost of living crisis and the the many challenges that that we are all facing nowadays, it's very important for brands to get the tone right. And not least because the media will be very much looking and commenting on these ads that, that are coming out. But even more than perhaps ever before is this need to think about those perhaps vulnerable groups in society which we all have an affinity with you know life is becoming much more challenging we have a a range of global challenges coming out of the pandemic so there is a need for brands to engage with audiences in a much more human way than i think than, than ever before
0: in the wider context advertising is undergoing a renaissance here in the UK and becoming more and more conscious of how it might be promoting nuanced, hidden
1: or harmful social norms. Advertising has such a platform with its huge media budget, its huge occupation of media space. What we're seeing is that being criticised, but also people that work in the industry themselves have much more awareness of their responsibility And indeed, more women, more diverse populations working in the advertising industry recognise that that they have the power to actually create societal change. So it appears that there is at long last a recognition of these problems that have been created by advertising and that change is happening. And at the same time, there's more and more awareness of how advertising can have a platform for social good. The Advertising Standards Authority in the UK has actually banned harmful stereotypes. So we're really progressive in this country, and that's absolutely laudable to see. But there are many hidden stereotypes and influences that are just part of a general patriarchal societal discourses. That is something that I want to look more into in my future research. But it's in the past, it's been things like having women in expert positions in advertising or doing the narration or even, you know, having women in advertising at all. So things that wouldn't necessarily be quite obvious until you actually drill down and you, you analyse what, what's, what's actually out there. Different marginalised groups are starting to, to put their hands up and say, you know, hang on, this environment needs to change. For all these different groups. So, you know, we're seeing lots of positive moves towards including very different, diverse racial and ethnic mix in advertising as well. There's a little bit where we see disabled people represented. But nevertheless, there is still kind of some narrow roles that these might take. So, It's still emerging, I think, the research in this area, and there is a real need to be looking into how those stereotypes might be hidden and nuanced. And I think that's the important next step.
0: It's not just the media and ASA that are policing advertising's tone. In the age of fake news, consumers have never been more aware of how their impressions can be manipulated for the financial gain of organisations – which means that brands that want to build trust and loyalty with them also have to overcome cynicism. What's more, brands with skeletons in the closet have to make sure that they can answer to whatever information exists about their work in the public domain, especially if this contradicts or undermines a social initiative they're promoting. The backlash from such
1: accusations can be fierce. Greenwashing tends to relate to criticisms about environmental credentials, but we're now hearing about this term that's obviously developed out of the same idea, which is woke washing, and this is very much uh, as an outcome of advertising that is promoting a social cause, but actually there may be a lot of hypocrisy in the way they do their their own business, or you know the, the practices that they have, the representation of people in their own workforce at senior levels that don't follow the same kind of ideals that they're promoting in their advertising. So if we have a brand that is promoting gender equality, then they're exposing themselves for criticism if they're not practicing what they preach. You know, this is where it's really important for them to... their money where their mouth is and actually make the changes that they're advocating for because there's a huge amount of cynicism about advertisers and brands in that they're presenting themselves in a certain way in order to gain trust and to gain consumer affinity but that that is not genuine so the idea that this is all for show rather than reality. Individuals are more than happy to take to
0: social media to call out perceived injustices But in some cases, this can really damage the reputations of brands and even lead to boycotting. Karen thinks that brands need to accept that cancel culture is now a part of the landscape they're working in and often the gauntlet advertisers must run in the hope of a successful and standout
1: campaign. When it comes to to brands and organisations, I think they need to go with it. There will be a need to reduce risk, but at the same time that you know it's in terms of advertising it's certainly not possible for advertising to be completely anodyne and and not offend anyone because by nature of of advertising it needs to stand out it needs to have a a creative message something that's going to be interesting so it's it's a very difficult area for brands and companies and i think by developing their real social awareness assets, their work for social good, I think that's going to be part of the way that they can build up more positive relationships with consumers who have much more power than they ever had before.
0: In her PhD, Karen asks whether society influences advertising or if it's the other way around. Her conclusion
1: was that it's actually a two-way street. There was always a debate in the academic world, in uh, the portrayal of gender in advertising, which was, is it a mirror or a mould effect? So does advertising mirror, just simply mirror what's happening in society, or does it indeed mould normality? And there were kind of these two different polls and there were kind of academic debates held over many years. And there was research that actually looked at the changes in society, the change in women's roles and whether there's been a progression around that. But over these years, the debate was kind of inconclusive and there were different results. And sometimes over time, you would see much more sexualisation of women in advertising that would be not in accordance with the changed women's roles. At a time where the progress of change has really accelerated, my research going to the industry itself and asking practitioners how they thought things were and how they were changing was that there is now a recognition that advertising does influence society it's a recursive process whereby advertising tries to be at the cutting edge of what is fashionable, of what is cool, it tries to be novel. So it's always trying to be slightly ahead of the game, but at the same time across all different kinds of advertising in order to be creative there is this approach which is let's let's push the button on a bit further but not do anything that's too risky. So, advertising is very much influenced by social discourses themselves, but it informs them at the same time as well. So, the classic example is the Dove campaign for, for real beauty. All over advertising has always been, you know, bodies being perfect, the classic kind of perfume advertising, beautiful models, and often, you know, very thin. That was problematic. That is, is part of the landscape there. The Dove campaign, it was called the Campaign for Real Beauty because it was trying to push the social cause of reducing that problem in the media and in advertising and featuring real women to stand for the brand, stand for the body cream, which was a very kind of natural-theming product in the first place and actually featuring for the first time in advertising people who were a size 14 plus and and not just going with those harmful stereotypes that did exist that brand they took a risk with having this kind of new approach so stepping away from having perfect physical representations and promoting natural beauty because they took a risk that was something that had an impact on not only the advertising industry, but on society more broadly. So that was very, very powerful for the brand and garnered a lot of attention, which is, of course, what advertisers are trying to do. It's this kind of constant need to be right at the the cutting edge, but not too far ahead.
0: As consumers, we're becoming even more thoughtful about the impact of our purchase choices on the wider world and what these choices say about us. Advertisers know that when we have various options on the table, a buying decision often comes down to the values we can identify with most closely. That's something we're increasingly asking brands to
1: deliver, no less so during the festive season. We've got this expectation for organisations to contribute something to the world and this cynicism around companies just being driven by profit So there's an opportunity for brands and we've seen this with the John Lewis ad that's come out this Christmas. They've partnered with organisations that support children in care and that's come out in their advertising campaign and it's very much creating an emotional message, telling a lovely story of a man preparing as he is going to be bringing a foster child into his home. But at the same time, linking that to the brand themselves actually contributing to a social problem by raising awareness. And, and that's, I think, the key in terms of what advertising can do and should be doing in terms of engaging consumers because of that platform, because of that media that spend that they have. You know, they, they have the the messages going out there. Also, you know, consumers are looking to companies to take much more responsibility. The John Lewis campaign has really hit the nail on the head, I think, in terms of getting the tone really right and spotlighting a social issue, advocating for that. And, you know, that creates the affinity from the consumers with the brand that they'll be looking for. It's all part of a a wider backdrop for businesses to engage more closely with the Sustainable Development Goals and not just be simply chasing profit, but to have an impact on wider society and the environment as well. Karen mentioned the UN Sustainable Development Goals.
0: These 17 areas showcase a blueprint for improved lives, peace and prosperity across the planet and include things like ending poverty and hunger, reaching gender equality and climate action. nations and institutions are increasingly focused upon how their work can contribute to achieving these targets. And as businesses become more focused upon their own social impact, they're realizing that customers care just as
1: much and they won't hesitate to make their voices heard. Whilst brands may try to engage in work that's going to benefit society and deliver a socially conscious message, There's a huge potential for criticism from consumers in particular on social media. So the social media environment has created a voice for consumers and minoritized groups, a whole range of stakeholders that wasn't there before in response to what businesses and organizations are doing. So it's well known now that there is the potential for backlash, cancel culture Brands and organisations are actually very fearful of having negative backlash because efforts that they may make to promote good causes may actually be met with accusations of greenwash. Uh, we're also hearing about woke washing, So there is very much this potential for receiving a negative backlash. Organisations who want to develop these kind of brand purpose campaigns, as we call them, are much more called to account in doing it in in a very authentic and meaningful way than ever before. So not only can companies receive backlash for for making mistakes or making gaffes where they might be very offensive, the famous example that is around gender stereotyping is Peloton, the sort of home exercise equipment brand who really got it wrong a, a couple of years ago. They told a story of a young woman getting fit and very thin for her partner, you know, for the sake of her partner's pleasure, really, which was really, really off the mark. And they actually lost uh, a huge amount of money from their brand equity and their brand value. So not only do brands want to make sure that they don't get it wrong, they're being called upon to demonstrate that they can do social good, that this is not just around tokenism or just jumping on the bandwagon of an issue, but that they actually are making a difference. There's a feeling that they have the platform and they also have the resource that is not necessarily available in other areas like in the government um, and in you know within charities. So the role of brands and companies is changing very much in terms of stakeholder expectations and consumer expectations, there's a possibility of leading that change through the kind of the win-win of advertising that promotes and raises awareness of a social issue but also gives organisations an opportunity to do some real good work to benefit society that's ideally relevant to their area. Earlier, Karen mentioned the John Lewis Christmas advert. The
0: annual release of this ad has become a mini festive signpost for many. For her, this company's tuning to personal, emotional and timely themes means they just keep getting it
1: right, year after year. On our advertising modules, we always talk about John Lewis. Any of our graduates from many years will, will always remember us talking about those ads. But I never fail to well up when i see many of their advertising campaigns christmas ones but the the one that really really always does it for me is the one when the young woman is starting oh, it's from quite a few years ago now but she was it's kind of a rite of passage story and it's telling the story of how a woman you know grows up becomes a mother herself becomes a grandmother and it's just so powerful and to just telling that very simple family values story from a female perspective, you know, obviously I'm seeing myself in there. It really, really gets the emotions to the fore. And, you know, even though I've seen it probably 20 times, every time I, I always have to get the Kleenex out. Like
0: many great advertising minds, Karen's success working in this field came from her personal
1: experiences of representation. Both my parents were profoundly deaf. So I grew up in a family that experienced a level of marginalisation, being outside of wider society, not having the same access to things that other people had access to. So I, from a young age, I really had an awareness of how, you know, marginalised groups, social groups can struggle in the world. So I think that kind of had such a, a profound effect on my personality and what I wanted to achieve in my life. So I think that kind of drew me into looking at the social impact of advertising. Karen's been a lecturer
0: for 17 years now, But prior to that, she worked in education, marketing and advertising. It was here, working with younger people, that she began to notice how advertising
1: was becoming more conscious of the norms it portrayed. I think younger people's perceptions and and the the way that they've been brought up in the world does have that difference. You know, there is much more awareness. So having been a lecturer for a long time and, and previously having worked in another higher education institution in marketing, I just always had a sense of that kind of progressive thinking that, that was starting to come up. Karen has done a lot of research into the
0: relationship between advertising and gender. Where in the past it's been a hotbed for inequality and harmful stereotypes, the good news is that things here are changing for the better
1: too. My research has specifically looked at the use of gender stereotypes in advertising. And there's been a huge body of academic work that has, has over many years, in fact, over 50 years or more, has, has criticised, lamented how gender stereotypes are created by the media and in particular in advertising with the domestic goddess, sexually objectifying women, keeping women in marginalised positions in society through normalising women's roles in the advertising imagery so that's in particular around gender in advertising that's something that is really being changed at the moment and in fact in the industry itself there's much more recognition that those kind of stereotypes can be harmful and and that advertising has a responsibility because those norms are what the public look to. I haven't personally suffered too much in gender equality issues in my own career but it's just uh, something that I just became much more aware of and have always been aware of just in society you know that women have certain access have had certain access there are these stereotypes that exist and there is often a fight that women need to have to, to bring themselves to the table in in the same way so I think it's just out there but I definitely can see that it's changing. Karen's next
0: project is also relevant to the festive season, where women and girls find themselves socialising outside friendship groups and in unfamiliar contexts during the Christmas party season. She'll partner with another University of Portsmouth researcher to look at violence against women and girls in the night-time economy and how advertising can exacerbate this social problem. They'll be asking whether advertisers can promote safer nights out, whether that's to dinner, clubs or theatres, and still participate in this £60 billion annual
1: UK economy. This is a significant opportunity for a brand purpose social impact campaign whereby the problems that perhaps are inherent, they're part of that landscape, for example, in bars and clubs where. Violent behaviours may start, they may escalate, they are tolerated in, in these environments. Bars and clubs themselves, or perhaps even the wider supplier organisations like alcohol brands themselves, they could do a lot more to have an impact in a positive way on this social problem. And much more, you know, as from a safeguarding perspective, that they can take a lead in preventing these kind of problems and behaviours from occurring and be much more proactive in training staff, for example. But again, you know, using this platform that they have in their advertising campaigns to raise awareness of the problem that may actually be quite hidden and not well understood in terms of the stereotypes, the low-level kinds of behaviours that uh, may be directed towards women and how these can actually escalate into much more problematic violent behaviours. And that's part of the environment that, that these brands are contributing to, profiting from, and it would be great for them to take up a responsibility to change society and change the culture with the platform that they have. Research like this could
0: present the next big mission for brands working in this economy, some of which may have to consider bigger questions, such as which consumers they are targeting and why. Thanks to Karen for talking to us for this special Life Solved episode. A really important observation from her research is the increasing level of awareness customers have when being advertised to and the higher standards of social responsibility and values brands must
1: share in order to win over our trust and loyalty. I think consumers are very savvy about advertising and about brands and organisations. I think we're so advanced in the advertising industry it's very intrusive. Advertising is intrusive to our lives. So there is this certain inherent cynicism that, that we have in that it's something that's that's interrupting us. So it does have to work very hard for, for us to like the advertising that we see. But I think consumers want to feel that their task in terms of being good people and, and you know making the right purchases that will not be harmful for the environment, that they will have a sort of an equality mindset is great. But I think consumers think in some ways they don't have the power to, to make those decisions themselves. So they're looking to those who do have the power. And increasingly, organisations and brands are seen as those institutions of society where change can happen and and that organisations perhaps need to lead the way to enable the rest of us to live a good and healthy life. It's pretty inspiring to know that as consumers,
0: our collective desire for a better, fairer world is being heard and reflected by so many of the brands we love. You can read more about Karen's work at the University of Portsmouth website, port.ac.uk forward slash research.